but uh, welcome. Um, and who are you? I am Nathan Ayers. Nathan Ayers. I thought it was Nathan. Um, Sometimes it, people call me Nate. Okay. It just depends on the person. Do you have a middle name? Vincent. Really? Okay. Would not have not have picked Vincent. Um, but you know, have you ever gone by Vincent? No. Nobody. Nobody in the family calls you Vincent. No. My dad is. Uh, it's his dad's name, and he's a Vincent, but he goes by Earl. That's his name, or he just goes by he, Earl. He well, I think technically his name's Vincent Earl. Oh. And he goes by just Earl. Earl. But yeah. he doesn't. I think he's always gone by Earl because his dad was Vince. Okay. So they didn't want to have two. They didn't want to call two people Vincent, Vincent yeah. in the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. I think Earl is also Earl or Vincent. Either way, it's getting sidetracked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, uh, how'd you get started writing? Well, um, uh, this goes back to probably 1993, okay. I think. Uh, a friend of mine from high school called me up one day and had said, hey, do you want to come over and ride bikes? And he mm-hmm. lived just maybe a mile away. And I said, uh, he wanted to, he wanted to know if I wanted to go mountain biking. I said, okay. I don't, I don't own a mountain bike. I have <laughs> a bike, but it's not a mountain bike and I yeah. haven't ridden it in a couple of years. Cause at the time I was probably 15, Okay. no driver's license. Um, mm-hmm. and he said, well, my parents have bikes. You can borrow them. And they were track mountain bikes, nothing okay. fancy, like a track 830, 850, okay. just like a entry level model. Mountain bike, yeah. And I guess I got my parents to give me a ride over to his house okay, because I didn't walk. And we, mountain biking consisted of riding bikes through cow pastures up and down hills. Really? And, and not really like mountain biking. Mm-hmm. And then he introduced me to this, um, it's in the Rapidan Wildlife Management Area in Madison okay. County. Okay. And there's this uh, fire road that goes up to this um, ridge called Blakey's Ridge. Okay. And then the fire road traverses Blakey's Ridge and goes up to a fire tower. Um, and it is used to be a popular group mm-hmm. ride okay. from the bike stop in Culpeper. And they would go up there usually every Sunday and okay. ride in the mountains on fire roads before gravel was even a thing. Yeah. There's not a lot of single track mm-hmm. up there, but that's what we started doing. And then probably a year later, I bought my own okay. Trek 830. So I didn't but have to keep borrowing his parents. 16 at this point. Right. Okay, cool. All right. And I used my own money. Okay. And it was nice. like $367 for the bike, which I thought was an outrageous amount at the time for a 16-year-old. <laughs> Still pricey, yeah. yeah. And I started breaking parts on it pretty quickly bending handlebars really? and um so i started making upgrades and mm-hmm. then i upgraded the frame and wow. transferred okay. all the parts over and put a front shock on it and clipless pedals and oh, you went in deep yeah this so is that, still like you're 16 17 now that this yeah is this is like 16 17 years old okay um so by the time i graduated high school i had upgraded to a Trek 7000 frame, which is an aluminum frame. The okay. 830 was a chromoly frame steel. Okay. And I had a RockShox fork on the front. Okay. Shimano, some kind of the old, old yeah. SPD pedals that look like the old electric razors. Okay. Huge. Um, 
And I had Magura Hydrostop hydraulic rim brakes. I'm not even familiar with those. They don't. I don't. I don't think a lot of people use them now. Okay. I think. I think they make still make brakes, but they're not as popular as okay. other brands. But they were the first. Um, as far as I know, they were the first hydraulic nice. brake, bike okay. brake. Okay. And they were rim brakes because disc brakes didn't exist yeah. in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Shocks barely existed in the nineties, and yeah. they didn't have a lot of travel. Okay. Did you notice something? Some actually did. Once you put the hydraulic brakes on, did you, was it that much better? Did you like notice? Oh, it was a huge difference. Really? Okay. Because I was using cantilever brakes before. Well, I think I was maybe using V-brakes. Okay. Because V-brakes were the, um, came after cantilever brakes. Okay. And then V-brakes were a huge improvement over canties, but um, the hydraulic brakes were a lot better. I I think I upgraded it to them because we were going up there and riding in the mountains and bombing down these fire roads in the mountains. And it's like, it would take you two hours to ride to the top of this mountain and yeah. 20 minutes to come down. Yeah. And your hands were hurting because you're gripping, because the, you're gripping the brakes and riding the brakes all the way down. Otherwise you're going 35 miles an hour on a gravel road with very little suspension. Seems dangerous a little bit. Oh, there's quite a few crashes involved. Okay. Um, <laughs> So it's just you and you and your friend are like, is it a group girl? Yeah, well, it was me and, and Lee, the guy that invited me to okay. come ride. And then he um, kind of backed off for whatever reason from okay. riding. And mm-hmm. then um, another friend of mine whose name was also Nathan, he was Nathan Jenkins. Okay. He started tagging along. And then he and I started riding every Sunday okay. together. And Lee just kind of faded into the background right. he still came so, out yeah. but not didn't, every didn't ride as much yeah right but me and nathan we would go out and ride every sunday at one o'clock and mm-hmm. we'd go up in the mountains and ride every week yeah and we i wish i had like strava back then just to see all the right. the yeah. places we had been yeah. and gone and we didn't have cell service we just told our parents we're going to ride and it's, they didn't know where we exactly we were we were just teenagers we weren't adults um different time then different time yeah no gps no cell phones i mean things could have ended badly yeah (laughs) just never found again um yeah um (laughs) um when did you when did you start using strava it was it probably like when it first came out 2009 10 um it was after um I started riding again after my accident in 08. Okay. Um, so you start off mountain biking, 15, 16, 15, uh, with a friend. Um, you were doing your upgrades, started riding with the other friend, uh, the other Nathan, um, you know, exploring your, your local areas, uh, riding probably dangerously, um, <laughs> you know, in hilly areas. Um, that's, that's high school. Um, you went to college. Correct. Did the bike go with you? Or did the- it did. I took my mountain bike to college, but I went to Averett University in Danville. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to me, there wasn't really anywhere to mountain bike in Danville. There is now, okay. but there wasn't in 1996. Okay. So I rode my bike around campus some, okay. but it's not it wasn't sad. really like... Yeah. So after my first year at Averett, 96 to 97, because I'd gone to community college for a year, mm-hmm. 90 five to 96. Um, I bought, I sold my mountain bike and bought a road bike. Okay. Cause there was no, 
No real mountain no mountain biking, biking in here. Danville. So then yeah. I was exclusively because I was a poor college student, yeah. exclusively road biking, mm-hmm. and I rode all over Danville. I rode into North Carolina. I nice. rode. I joined this fraternity, Pi Kappa Phi, okay. and it was the only fraternity at Avery. Avery's <laughs> a small school, but part of the draw was that they had this thing called the Journey of Hope. Okay. So the national fraternity did this Journey of Hope every year, which was a cross country bike ride to raise awareness and money for handicapped children. So I thought, well, that's something I could really get behind. I'd like to do that. Yeah. So I joined Pi Kappa Phi partially because I was like, I want to do that because that seems cool. It's a sponsored, like supported cross country ride from San Francisco to DC. Mm -hmm. So I started riding the road bike in 97, applied to the journey of hope in 98, got accepted Okay. The team, they took about 60 fraternity brothers from Pi Kappa Phi. Okay. They only accepted Pi Caps from oh, across yeah. the country. They didn't take people that weren't... Um, part of the fraternity. Right. Really? Okay. All right. And you had to raise $4,000 okay. to go towards your um, your sponsored donations. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just a general charity ride. Yeah. Anything like, like Climb to Conquer Cancer. That you have to- was that the, like, individual you had to raise the money? Yes. Okay. Wow. Okay. So um, I didn't have too much trouble doing it. I told okay. people what I was doing, and I got donations from all kinds of places. I got donations okay. from Walmart and Target and oh, car nice. dealerships and funeral homes. And pretty much, if I knocked on the door and asked them and told them what I was doing, yeah. they'd at least give me a check for fifty bucks. Nice. So okay. it all added up, and okay. I just um, would send in the checks to Push America was the name of the philanthropy that we were working towards okay. it's now called the ability experience okay and they still do this trip um so you just you'd mail the checks in every couple weeks and okay. i'd send it certified because i don't want to lose it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's a lot of money in that envelope yeah um and they had to sign for it mm-hmm. i don't know if everybody was doing that but that's what i was doing Makes and sense. i flew out to san francisco on June 8th, mm-hmm. 1999, and we started riding around the 12th or 13th, Okay. but shortly after we started riding, and I had trained, I'd ridden 1,700 miles okay. in preparation for this, which at the time, I thought was an enormous amount of mileage for... Was that 1,700 over what time frame, though? February to June. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't nothing, but it wasn't yeah. an incredible amount. A, but I felt like I was fairly well prepared. But that's an unemployed version of you riding seventy hundred. Yeah. Um, either keep going. Um, so, so I fly out, and within the first week, I started noticing uh, anterior knee pain in my right knee. Okay. And it was uh, not. Not not getting any better. It okay. Was, it was progressively getting worse. I mean, the, I've, I've been to physical therapy for it five or six times in the yeah. last 20 years. I've been, I've had an MRI on it. Um, mm-hmm. the death, the diagnosis at the time in 1999, after I came home was mm-hmm. chondromalacia, which is basically a, um, term for the roughening of the cartilage behind the kneecap. Okay. Um, more detective work, in the 20 years since there's a, and not to get 
all like sciencey and yeah, anatomy, right. but there is a groove that your patella slides in on your end of your femur. Okay. I believe it's called the trochlear groove. Okay. But it's got to stay in that groove. Yeah. And if it slides out the slightest bit, yeah. you have That's uneven right. wearing on the back of your cart, like the cartilage on the back side of the kneecap. And there's okay. there's cartilage on the end of the femur too. Okay. And when everything's working correctly, it's like it's ice on ice, yeah. wet ice on ice. Yeah, it just, it just slides. It just slides. Yeah. yeah. But if your muscles are too tight and you have imbalances, mm-hmm. so say your lateral quad, which is like the outside of your leg, upper okay. leg, yeah. is too tight mm-hmm. and it starts, or too strong, yeah. and it starts pulling that patella yeah. just a couple just millimeters okay. out of that groove, things don't starts feel to, so starts great. To, yeah, starts to rub. Okay. So the best way to describe how it has felt for me mm-hmm. is broken glass behind my kneecap. It's incredibly painful. Um, just on my ride today, yeah. I was keeping an eye on my power balance yeah. and my left leg was doing 54% of the work and my right leg was doing 46. Really? Okay. So it's um, something I got to keep working on. Usually if I stay on top of my stretches and foam rolling and yeah. I can mitigate it for the most part and ride, Yeah. but it's it, still there. It's still there. And it's just going to be something I got to work on the rest of my life. And funny thing is my left knee has never really given me any issues. So is that a surgery fixable? Thing? Uh, I don't think it's going to, everything I've read and about it is it doesn't really, it doesn't help. doesn't so really do anything. Okay. So, um, like a meniscus tear, they can go in and fix. Yeah. But going in and smoothing out the cartilage on the back of the patella doesn't really make much difference. So, um, so anyway, I ended up riding for about off and on for about four weeks. This is, is this, this in the, is on dur- the journey of hope. Okay. Okay. Made it from San Francisco to Phoenix, 500 miles in four weeks. But that wasn't, that was only maybe 50% of the time. Cause I would ride for a day, knee would start to hurt. Yeah. So then I would stop riding and I wouldn't ride the next day. Okay. So I ultimately made the decision to fly home from Phoenix. Um, Maybe should have stayed and been a crew member. Yeah. But um, there there was some bullying involved. About about you not riding? Yeah. So, you know, when you combine a bunch of... I was definitely the poorest guy on the team. Okay. And probably had the nicest bike. Yeah. When you combine a bunch of rich college age mm-hmm. kids that mm-hmm. oh and none of them had ridden anything like the next closest guy had ridden like 500 miles okay and so they, some they of them hadn't not, even touched the bike yeah, at all they were they weren't regular they, i don't know what they thought they were going and they went yeah. out drinking every night and then they have to get up at five o'clock in the morning and ride the next day yeah honestly it's a miracle that any of them make it across the country but <laughs> and it, I think I just had like a bad group of guys because there's yeah. they divide the team into north and south. Yeah. And in the week before we split, okay. I'd actually made a lot of f- friends yeah. with guys on the north team. But you don't know exactly what team you're just riding and you're yeah. talking and and the first thing out of your mouth isn't what team are you on. Yeah. And then you find out like a week later, oh, those guys are going the north route through Colorado and That's Wyoming, a different route. Okay. and we're going south through the desert, Nevada mm-hmm. and Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. Hot. So yeah. they and I wanted to go on the south team because the south team went through Virginia, okay. and 
Danville and Charlottesville, yeah. and Area now it comes area. through Richmond because they've rerouted. Okay. But um, the the North team would go through like Ohio, Pennsylvania, down okay. to Maryland, and it finishes in D.C. Okay. So I wanted to ride through Virginia, mm-hmm. so I chose the South team. Yeah. Well, I think the South team had all the assholes on it. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> the guys on the North team were, when I went to D.C., just on my own, because mm-hmm. I flew home from Phoenix. Yeah. Partially to get treatment on my knee because yeah. I can't, you can't get, you can't see a physical therapist and a doctor if you're in a different city every day. That's true. Yeah. That would get real difficult. Yeah. Cause you can't schedule an appointment in time. Yeah. Right. So you'd have to start all over. And I said, well, I don't know what's wrong with my knee and it mm-hmm. hurts a lot and I can't ride and I've never yeah. had this problem before. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason was a lot of the reason was to get treatment, physical yeah. therapy, an MRI, whatever. Yeah. Um, but part of it was also to get away from these guys that were giving me a hard time every yeah. day because they didn't understand why I couldn't ride. And yeah. they thought that I was either lying about how many miles I'd ridden. Yeah. Because I told them, they, everybody asked, how many miles did you ride? And they yeah. seemed to like brag about the fact they hadn't ridden at all. Yeah. And and then they didn't think that I had ridden as, lo- as much as I said I had. Right. Because if I had ridden that much, then why would I be right. why you injured an yeah. now? And if I did ride that much then i can't be injured so i'm either lying about how much i rode or i'm lying about my injury to get out of riding now fast forward to last year yeah um and a couple years ago i've had a couple of the guys on the team reach out to me on facebook okay and they weren't the the bullies per se but they were aware of it and they apologized for not saying something and standing up for me because they they realize now with hindsight yeah. being in their forties yeah, that, that, that was not cool. You have an injured teammate. Right. And, and, and guys are ridiculing him yeah. for not riding. And, and they didn't understand why I was trying to pedal with a high cadence. Yeah. Cause that took pressure off my knee and they said, well, if it hurts, you need to shift into your hardest gear and pedal really slowly. And I, yeah. So this is how much these guys, yeah, I don't know if that's right. Yeah. No. Um, it's a lot of torque on the knee, right? Yeah, it's, that's that's that would be anyway. So, so I started. I came home. Yeah. yeah, physical therapy. Um, didn't really ride much because I graduated college that December. Okay. Um, pretty much hung the bike up okay. for about five years. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a bike, mm-hmm. and I bought a mountain bike in two thousand two from Ag's, and got a Gary Fisher. That was my first mountain bike since I'd sold the old one in 97. Gary Fisher, okay. Yep, Gary Fisher, sugar. Full suspension. It was my first full suspension bike. Did not know there was a... So I had that for a few years, and I started... um, I didn't really ride... I I didn't ride a ton. I mean, if I I had Strava back then, uh, Mm -hmm. we're talking about maybe a couple hundred miles a year, maybe. Um... And I remember I had a hard time just riding from my house to Ashland without okay. knee pain. Okay. So I started helping out with uh, RVA Moore in 2005. Okay. And uh, one of the guys on the trail group, trail crew, Wayne Goodman, he said, have you ever had a bike fit? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I've never even heard of a bike fit. So he said, yeah, go to Ben at Three Sports mm-hmm. and get him to do a bike fit. So I went to Ben at Three Sports. And he did a bike fit and told me to start riding. He said, your homework's to go out and ride, but don't go out and do like 
50 miles. Yeah. Just go out and ride like 10 miles, see how it feels. Mm-hmm. Slowly increase your mileage. Keep seeing how it feels. If we need to tweak it, we'll tweak it. So I start riding and I made it up to Ashland and no knee pain. So I thought, well, that's uh, something. That's interesting, yeah. Right. So that probably took care of maybe 75% of the problem. Okay. Um, I don't know whether my saddle, I, I don't remember right. if my saddle was too low or too high or... It's magic, just accepted, yeah. Right. So that helped a ton. So start, then I started riding more. Um, started doing mountain bike races in 2005. Okay. Yeah. Um, 2006, I raced mountain bike. 2007, just exclusively a mountain bike until yeah. 2007, I did uh, decided to get a cyclocross bike. Okay. And I started racing cyclocross in um, Virginia, just Virginia. I didn't go anywhere else. And the- the you got the bike with a plan to to race right like you like I want to do cyclocross let me get a bike to do it not cyclocross seems cool because cyclocross I guess you would only get a cyclocross bike to race like yeah it's hard to you can't really do do casual. cyclocross without racing cyclocross the whole like format right, but, right, I mean you can if you go right, out to a park stairs, you can ride yeah, in the grass yeah. and get off the bike and Climb jump stairs, over yeah yeah stuff okay so. I probably did maybe eight races that year. Okay. Um, it was a lot harder than I expected because it's full gas from mm-hmm. the gun. Mm-hmm. And I did not have the fitness to hang. So I decided, well, I need to start doing more road riding mm-hmm. so I can get some intervals in. And I was doing mostly mountain biking, but it's hard to do intervals. On a mountain bike. Mountain biking. Yeah, on the terrain for mountain bikes. Yeah. Right. So. Um, bike handling was there, but fitness mm-hmm. was not. So I get a road bike. Plus, I'd had a <clears throat> several crashes in 06 and 07. Okay. Um, I'd sprained my ankle mountain biking. I'd like landed on my, gone over the handlebars, was riding on Buttermilk Trail. Okay. And landed on my chest and like tore some cartilage in my chest. So I'm like, man, I'm getting beat up. Broke my finger. Um, I had like a run of bad luck mountain biking. Um, so or you were normally mountain biking. Um. I said I said that I need to like road road riding is a lot less likely to crash, so I need to do a little bit more of that. Okay, and a little bit less mountain biking because I keep getting hurt mountain biking, mm-hmm. and I can't keep getting hurt. Yeah, at the time I am twenty nine, thirty. Okay, so start riding more on the road, and that brings us to two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, on October nineteenth, two thousand eight, I was in Madison County, where I grew up. Took my Trek Madone with me to my parents' house for the weekend. Yeah. And went for a road ride on Sunday morning. It's gonna be like a thirty mile loop. Mm-hmm. And I didn't finish the loop. Yeah. I got hit from behind by an elderly man. Okay. Who was 83. And he had glaucoma or macular degeneration or maybe both. Either way, he shouldn't have been driving. Okay. He told the state trooper that he never saw me. Hit me from behind at 45 miles an hour. Uh, I have no memory of this at all. I remember the ride. Yeah. But I don't remember 
the accident. I don't remember maybe five minutes before the accident or 20 minutes. And I should say crash because Brantley would get on me for saying no, accident. Mm-hmm. Um, Not really. So he didn't see me. It was a day much like today, bright, yeah. sunny, not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. Um, I was wearing a red vest. I don't remember if I had a light on or not. I had a black helmet, black shorts, black arm warmers. Not super visible, but I don't know if it would have helped. Yeah, yeah. I like to think it would if I, you know, there's things I do now that I do differently. Yeah. Because I dress like a circus clown when I go for a ride now. I'm just Mm high-vis lights, front and back. Um, But I don't know if it would have helped then or not. Yeah. So... Ultimately, uh, I went to UVA, and the, the crazy thing about being in a being injured like that, that severely, is your cortisol and adrenaline are through the roof. Yeah. And I didn't feel any pain. That's I remember the EMTs good. asking me uh, what hurt, and I said nothing. My low back feels a little bit tight, but I don't yeah. have any pain. And I was joking with them. Yeah. Gare rode an ambulance with me, my wife. Yeah. And she had come that they had called my parents mm-hmm. and told them that I'd been in a accident. Yeah. I'm sure they said. Yeah. And they, my mom was at church and my dad and Gare came to the crash site. And mm-hmm. the, the, the thing is, uh, my dad knew something was wrong because he heard me ask five, at least five times what happened. Mm-hmm. And they kept telling me, that you were riding your bike and you were hit by a car. And then a minute later, I'd say, what happened? It wasn't, wasn't recording. Yeah. Yeah. They were telling me, but it wasn't sticking. I only remember asking one time. Okay. So, um, maybe that's the time it stuck, but I don't remember my, my dad or my wife being there when I asked. Really? Okay. So, and they, cause I remember them telling me that they're on the way. The ambulance is on the way. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was very surreal. It was almost like a dream because I remember like my first memory is laying in the grass and looking up at the sky and not feeling an overwhelming urge to get up or move, just kind of laying there, not knowing where I was, not knowing what I was doing, kind of like in a dream, hearing the birds and seeing the trees, seeing the blue sky. And apparently after I was hit, the uh, the woman that was behind the man that hit me, she told the, the trooper that she thought I was I was dead because mm-hmm. I was I there. was limp, and so I'm thinking I was completely limp from the moment of impact. Rolled yeah. off the roof of the van from what she said, landed in the road, rolled into the ditch. Then she stops, runs to me. Yeah, she said I was not moving, mm-hmm. and I was not breathing, and she thought I was dead. At some point, I started making a low, raspy breathing. It's it's called agonal breathing. Okay. Anyone that's CPR and first aid certified, they've probably yeah. heard the term. Okay. Um, and eventually, I started breathing again on my own. But I think it's almost like my brain was like hitting the reboot button. Yeah. It's it's, it's scary. Um, it's taken me a long time to be able to talk about it without getting uh, emotional yeah so um didn't feel any pain yeah 
They put me in the ambulance. Gare rides with me. When we get to UVA, it hit me. Yeah. It was, and I could feel it coming, mm-hmm. like building quickly, like a yeah. tidal wave. Yeah. And it, I couldn't talk. Yeah. I felt like I couldn't breathe. So they started giving me morphine. Is the pain kicking in? And Because the, the pain was kicking yeah. in. Okay. So that was a, a long day of lots of tests. Um. So what were your, your, your injuries? Uh, L3 vertebrae was the worst. That was what's called a burst fracture. Okay. Which is a type of compression fracture. Um, they said it was uh, compressed by a third. So. Okay, right. Compression it was basically the, the weak link. And L4 and 5 had some superficial fractures. They okay. still hurt. I'm sure they caused, they contributed to the, the overall pain. Okay. Um, but L3 was was by far the worst. It was broken. Um, it was it was smushed by a third. It was broken from top to bottom, front to back, a crack all the way through. And I had some broken ribs, and I had uh, my right ear was almost ripped off because of the helmet straps. Okay. The canvas or. Just, yeah, they, okay. I guess it the just, helmet just, got it, like it just pulled on the ear, right? And the ear doesn't take much to pull a human ear off. So um, that luckily was he was able to reattach that, and okay. it doesn't look gory. But um, it's kind of funny. <laughs> he was uh, sewing that thing back on, mm-hmm. and he had used Novocaine mm-hmm. to to numb it, and it took a while because it was. A mess, and yeah. he said that it's bleeding a lot, so that's good because it, it means it's got good blood flow. Okay, but at towards the end of him sewing it back on, yeah, he said, "I said I'm starting to feel everything so, because the Novocaine's wearing off." And he yeah. said, well, "I can give you another dose, or I can just power through." And I just told him, "Just go ahead and power through because <laughs> it's, it's a, I'm already dealing with the broken back, so it's uh feeling them sew your ear back on." Okay, all right. Um, and I had some, uh, I found this out later. I had some um, nerve damage in my left leg. Okay. Hip and left calf, mainly hip and hip area and left calf. It felt like arthritic, like okay. an arthritic ache. Okay. Um, but it's not arthritis. And then, of course, the concussion. Yeah. So uh, I've had a lot of issues with memory and attention. Okay. Since then, uh, insomnia, um, anger. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as patient as I used to be. So, unfortunately, my family sees that. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's frustrating because I know the person I was before. Yeah. And I know how I am now. Yeah. And it, it's not, they're not the same people. Yeah. That's what and that's what's scary about a brain injury, right? Because a lot of times, um, people will say when you have a concussion, "Well, well, thank God you weren't seriously injured." But the scary thing about a concussion is, like, if you mm-hmm. break your arm, yeah, you're still Trey, right? I'm still Nate, yeah. You just put a cast on it and you heal up. But mm-hmm. if you you break your brain, it can have life altering consequences and change your entire personality. That you're not even the same person that you were before, before the injury, yeah. And 
I mean, I don't even know how to like adjust from that, to, like to, to, to comment on that. But um, I'm I'm glad you're able to talk about it, right? Because that's that that's a lot, man. Um, and, and it's been tr- tough. I mean, I'm I started. I mean, it happened in 2008, so that's 13 years plus. And I started seeing a psychologist at DCU um, last summer because yeah. I started to realize that I. I have PTSD. Yeah. I will get ready for a bike ride and I've talked myself out of going. I almost did it today. I got dressed and ready to ride. Water yeah. bottles filled up, tires pumped up, every whole kit on, ready to go. Yeah. And I almost almost took everything off and yeah. stayed home and did a Zwift ride because I knew I can't die on Zwift. But it was too nice of a day and I was like, I can't. I mean, this my... My therapist tells me like go out and do so these rides because yeah. she wants to see if I, we're making progress. Yeah, and we're not. <laughs> I've been doing this since August, and I'm still. And the, and I've noticed the longer I go without doing an outdoor road ride, yeah, the harder it is. So if I go out and ride every day for yeah. a couple weeks on the road, yeah, it's a lot easier for me to go out and ride tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But if I had and I when I fired up my Garmin today, yeah, it said my last road ride was. January 27th. Now I've ridden on Zwift and I've gone mountain biking. Yeah. But I haven't ridden on the road. Yeah. Since yeah. January 27th. So it's been over a month. Yeah. And that's probably that's why it's, it was so much harder for me to like actually get out the door and go for a ride. Do you feel the same with groups? No. You know, okay. No. And that's one of the things we've touched on because um, I was by myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I got hit. So she thinks that's part of the reason I feel safer with a group because not that I mean yes you're more visible with more people but you're there's not a whole lot like if we go ride together there's not a whole lot that you're gonna be able to do to keep us from right yeah getting hit right yeah if somebody's if somebody's gonna plow through you like there's two of you there you know they didn't see you yeah but Um, I think a lot of it just goes back to me being alone that day yeah and not having anybody with me um and, right, and the concern over that, yeah. And you know, nobody wants to die alone. And not that I want anybody to die. Not that I want my friends to die with me, but right. it's very... Um, it's, it's comforting it's very, people. It's very, it's very primal. Like, yeah. you don't want to be alone when you die. And yeah. and this guy could have easily... He didn't, but he could have easily hit me and kept going. Yeah. And there could have been no witness. Yeah. And I could have been left there. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I lived and even if he'd left me there, I would have lived. But the, the witness said that I, I tried to get up and walk around and she told me to stop down, don't move, which is good because I've heard stories of people that have paralyzed themselves because they didn't realize they had broken something or something. Spinal cord injury and got up and moved around and then bones shifted and spinal cords were severed. So... I, I I think of clearly not the same here. Um, just the I, I think of you know you haven't been out to ride in a while. Not considering the accident, right? Just in general, someone hasn't been out to ride in a while. And yes, there is a little bit of a hurdle. Like I you know I haven't been out to ride. You know, and a little hesitation to even go out and ride solo, right? Um, and imagine that compounded by the experience that that you've had. That you know. Um, 
well, Nate, if others haven't told you, I'm glad you're still here. You know, um, <laughs> thank you. That you didn't decide to, you know, do cartwheels right then uh, at the injury <laughs> site uh, or the crash site. Um, so yeah, group rides then. Group yeah, I'm rides. usually fine, but I'm I'm picky about the groups that I ride with because normally I try to stick to people I know and trust. Um, just cause I don't want to go down. I've had too many concussions. Um, yeah. Right. That that's why I air quotes retired from road racing because I crashed at RIR in 2017 yeah. and landed on my head. And I, I did mostly road racing from 2013 to 2017. Only did yeah. one race in 2017 and ended badly. But, um, I've decided I can't keep smashing my brain against pavement. So not a good idea. Yeah. That, that concussion was, um, probably most likely made worse because of the one I got prior in 2008. But, um, I was symptomatic for four months with vertigo, motion sickness, dizziness, insomnia, uh, trouble paying attention. Um, I couldn't focus on it. I mean, I'd listen to entire podcasts twice and not realize I'd listen to the same podcast again a couple days after I just listened to it until I heard something at the end that was the signature like yeah, yeah. line from that podcast that they hadn't said. And, and it was just like, oh, I've already we, we're, we're heard too, this. Yeah. So I'm okay now, mm-hmm. but... Um, you can tell a difference. Yeah. I don't... It It's... Uh, it takes me a long time to get through a book and it is, um, my memory is just terrible. So, you know, audiobooks are great. Just FYI. Um, you know, audiobooks are great. Uh, do you have a preference of books you like to read, by the way? We're changing subjects here. Um, <laughs> fiction is probably easier, but I, I like reading nonfiction because I like to learn. Um, it's useful. So I've got like my own library of cycling training, coaching books okay. that I've acquired over the years. And I've read a lot of them, but I've started a lot of them and didn't finish them and <laughs> restarted them because I was like, I haven't made it anywhere in this book in six months. So I probably should just restart reading it again. It's frustrating. Uh, if it helps any, uh, which it may not, um, I recall reading a book. I can't remember the name. It's one of the, one of the books. I was like Quorum. Uh, fantasy fiction is the genre that I will read occasionally. And I think it took me like three and a half years to read it because I'd read a little bit and I'd put it down and wouldn't think about it. Um, I think I moved and I read some more. Um, you know, you get through the story when you can. Right. You know, just get through it when you can. Um, cause you still got, cause it's a book. It's not like you got it from the library. You got to take it. And just, right. Right. Got it. That's yeah. why I actually yeah. buy a lot of books because I can't finish a book in three weeks or a month or <laughs> even three months from a library. So yeah. And, 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 I, I envy those people that can sit down and read a book in a week. Like, like Gare, my wife. Yeah. Um, I can't read a book in a week. So sometimes I can, I have read a few books over the years that really like held my attention and yeah. were really well written yeah. and were page turners mm-hmm. and I knocked them out in like 10 days. Yeah. But it's, you know, oftentimes books about like <laughs> how to become a better cyclist aren't page turners. They're interesting and they're educational and they're informative, 
but they're not the gripping yeah. and riveting mm-hmm. and like <laughs> they don't make you want to like, Oh, I can't wait to get home to start reading that book tonight. Um, so, uh, have you read any books that are like not they're cycling related, but not like training related? Like it's somebody went on an yeah. adventure and like this was their cycling story. Yeah. I like one of them I went through pretty easily was, uh, Tyler Hamilton's book. I can't remember the I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's um, it's about their um, difficulties trying to evade the U- USA Anti Doping Agency and the and the World Anti Doping Agency, okay. and how they were using blood bags and how he got sick from blood bag because the doctors that are doing these blood yeah. transfusions, even though it's their own blood, yeah. you don't know, you go into a hotel room and you, you take out a pint of blood yeah. months before the tour de France. So you can put it back in during mm-hmm. the tour de France, but you don't know what that doctor does after he takes that blood out of your body. Does he just leave it in his hot car while he goes to play golf? <laughs> <laughs> Where's this blood been? <laughs> right. So Tyler Hamilton got really, really ill um <laughs> after he got one of those blood bags put back in okay and he got like he started running a fever started um he was urinating black Seems which is problematic which is dead <laughs> red blood cells That's... so he called his wife and thought he was gonna die and so that that book was very it might be called the secret war i think but i'm not 100 percent certain uh... anybody i mean if you just Go on Amazon and look up Tyler Hamilton. It'll, I may do that. It'll uh, pop up. Uh, if anyone else is listening to this at some point in time, uh, I am I am looking for other books that are uh, somebody had some kind of adventure of some kind, uh, cycling related. So if you can send those recommendations, that would be uh, appreciated. So yeah. Anyway, um, uh, why do you keep riding? So there's a quote that has popped up. Um, popped up after my accident. I don't know where I saw it. Mm-hmm. Probably in a book, maybe online. Um, and the quote is by a guy named John Shedd, who I don't know anything particular about him other than this quote. But he said, a ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. And mm-hmm. I do not want to let mm-hmm. someone's irresponsible action mm-hmm take away from me something that I enjoy. Okay. So that's why I fight so hard to get it back. That's why I'm going through therapy. That's why I continue to ride. Um, cause I don't want just because this, this person who I'm sure was a nice old man, just didn't want to give up his driver's license and his family didn't know how to take it from him. He didn't, he didn't think he was going to hit a cyclist yeah. That morning coming back from church. So, but ultimately the fact that he continued to drive when he shouldn't have been mm-hmm. is irresponsible. It's not malicious, but it's irresponsible. Yeah. And the, the it's funny because Madison is a small town. Mm-hmm. My mom went to high school with this guy's kids. She works in the local library. Mm -hmm. They would come into the local library. They would see each other at the grocery store. 
and they have not spoken to her since that day. And she believes that is just guilt because they probably, I assume, and it's just an assumption, but I assume they knew their dad shouldn't have been driving any longer. They didn't know what to do. So they did nothing, and he almost killed me. And for those listening out there, you may not know this, but if you have a family member who is not willing to give up their driver's license and you don't think they should be driving anymore, if you Mm -hmm. request that DMV do a medical review on them and it comes from the family, Mm -hmm. DMV will not disclose who requested the medical review because they don't want people to be put in an awkward spot. Right. With family members, yeah. Right. So if you think your dad shouldn't be driving anymore, you can request DMV do a medical review. You don't have to take his license. If he doesn't pass their vision test or their driving test or their written test or whatever they, whatever test they give him, mm-hmm. they'll take his license away and then he's got to call an Uber from now on. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's also part of, eh, I didn't even speak to that, but um and, and at some point as we take care of our, our, our loved ones, um, you know, and saying like, let me help you with that kind of thing. You know, let, let me, let me take care of that for you. Like you've done enough. Like, let me, let me help you. Let me, or maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Like it's probably not the best thing for you to do kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and of course I think we all have to try to do that at some point for our, our elders. Um, but thank you for mentioning that the medical review, um, by DMV and they don't ask who asked the, for the medical review. Um, uh, hopefully no one has to do that. Right. Right. But there's, that's, that's great that there's a, cause that means that they didn't get a chance to either way to, to speak to the family member and address that with the family member themselves, but at least DMV, someone somewhere was like, we need to put something in place so that like, you know, we can prevent people who shouldn't be driving physically, um, or not prepared to drive, not able to drive, shouldn't be driving, um, have some way to be inspected it's not the right word well you know you think about it if you you you're not even allowed to get a driver's license until you're 16 and you have to pass all these tests but after you get your driver's license does anybody go ride with the instructor at dmv periodically to prove that you still know how to drive a car safely Mm-mm. i mean i i wear glasses but when was the last time i had a vision test i can't even <laughs> like i mean i go to the eye doctor every year but yeah but i don't the DMV hasn't verified that's true, that. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Your vision could have deteriorated. Yeah, they don't. So, I mean, I have taken vision tests at DMV, but it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean. I, yeah. Of things that they're trying to regulate, um, I think it was like lower on the totem pole. It's like, you've got the license, you're good. But I think they should, I mean, this is a whole nother topic we sure. can yeah. get Sorry. into another time, but, um, you know, they should really be more um, more regular testing for people as mm-hmm. they get older. And it's not discriminatory because things go downhill when you get older. And if you can see when you're 70, fine. Yeah. If you can see when you're 75, fine. Mm-hmm. But th- maybe at a certain age, just like when you're 16, you can't, t- you can't drive before you're 16. Yeah. But maybe at, at a certain age, maybe 70, 65, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you should just have to take a regular vision test every five years with DMV just to verify that you 
don't have glaucoma. You don't have macular degeneration. You aren't colorblind. You whatever. Um, and I'm sure pe- people that are colorblind can drive, but you have to know the sequence of the traffic lights too. Mm, yeah. So that you know where red is on that. Right. Yeah. In that, in that sequence. Um, that seems fair um, to say at some point, just some kind of some, some elder, elderly age um, that people are, there's just some testing. Like we just want to make sure that it's, you're safe to be out in the road. Like, and it could be something there. as simple as their eye doctor sends something to DMV. They don't have to mm-hmm. maybe take the test at DMV, right. but they could just get a letter from Somebody their eye doctor saying, yeah. You have to send this letter from your eye doctor every five years, every three years, whatever. Right. Verifying that you still can see because you're... It seems seems like a low bar. I'm I'm trying to be fair and I'm I'm trying not to like... Because hopefully I live to be 70, 75, 80, 90, whatever, and still have great health. But, um, you know, if you can't see, you shouldn't drive. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it seems, it seems, uh, mine says needs to wear glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, glasses, it says glass. Cause I don't think it says mm-hmm. contacts. Um, and I wear my contacts. I do not risk it at all. Like, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just not worth it. Um, I mean, I can, <laughs> I can see without my contacts, but it's very blurry. Right? I can see objects and I can see moving objects, but I can't see fine detail mm-hmm. and I'm, I might miss a cyclist if I didn't right. have my contacts in, yeah. especially if one's wearing dark clothing with no lights right? and it's at dusk. So small adjustments, small adjustments, hopefully. Um, um, but you do still ride. Yes. Do still ride. Um, if you want to go on group ride sometime, let me know. Um, definitely. What do you take with you on your rides? Uh, usually, Always my phone. Okay. Um, Solid. Water. Okay. A snack. Okay. Because I also have hypoglycemia. Okay. Low blood sugar. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Right. I um, remember Aaron saying that when the mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. So, like, I took a um, picky bar with me today, but oh. I didn't eat it. A what? Picky bar. It's an energy bar. Um, can't find them locally so i have i'm a member of their picky club wait is it is it really picky is in p-i-c-k p-i-c-k-y they've got they've got <laughs> they've got granola they've got oatmeal they've got pancake um, mix um it's i'm not might be pickybar.com but it's uh so if you join their picky club and you subscribe <laughs> you can Sorry. get like yeah they send you a monthly like subscription box but if you subscribe to a certain amount yeah. You get 10% off. If you subscribe to a certain amount, you get 20% off. If you subscribe to a certain amount, you get 30% off. So, and it's not a crazy amount. I get like 60 bucks worth of stuff like every two months. Okay. And I get a box of bars and some like pancake mix and um, granola and, mm. and, I, and you can change it out too. You can like, okay. so I've got a bunch of bags of granola cause I got tired of it for a while, didn't eat it and they just kept sending it and. So, so now I'm going to change it up and, um, mm-hmm. get something, something different. else. Yeah. So, um, speaking of subscriptions, um, I subscribed to Harry's mm-hmm. had subscribed to Harry's. Um, but like my hair does not grow that fast. So like they would send me, I think it's like, I think I was like the, every 
was it every like two months, three months or something like that? They'd send me a kit, you know, with the, the shaving cream and the, the blades. Um, but I don't shave that often. And nor do I feel like I need to shave that often. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they were sending me a kit, you know, was it like a, it was like two years I subscribed to them. So I've got like six boxes of like because <laughs> I just don't shave that. I've, I've often. got a bunch too. If I didn't shave, I shave my face, but yeah, um, I shave my legs too. So <laughs> I I use benefits. Yeah, I use it for that too. Also, I did have Dollar Shave Club, but I found that Harry's is a little bit better product. So Harry's is now in the store. Yeah. Um, Walmart, Target? I can't remember one of Target those. Target has Target, some Target. other stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah. Um, and that's the only thing I've ever subscribed to. Um, and and yeah, I've got like six boxes in the in Aside the from like Netflix and all well, that. Well, it, like a goods that they're going to deliver. <laughs> right. Yes, correct. Yeah, Netflix will never go. Everything's away. going to subscription service. Yeah, I will I will happily pay for Netflix for like the next 10 years. Um, so, you know, you're asking, what do I carry with me? Um, yeah, correct. Well, on my phone, yep. I have the... Road ID app. Okay. Which I don't think a lot of people use. Now I have yeah. the Strava. And yeah. I subscribe to the Strava mm-hmm. premium and they have a, the beacon. So mm-hmm. I automatically, when I start a ride, my wife gets the Strava beacon. But I also send uh, an e crumb, is what Road ID calls it. And it's a same thing. Okay. But the thing I like about the Road ID, and they just moved to a subscription model, which annoys me, but yeah. I guess they got to make their money. And I think it's like 30 bucks for a year, but I'm not sure. It might be 10. I haven't subscribed. I'm just doing the trial mm-hmm. as of today. But it has a stationary alert. So if you stop moving for five minutes, it will notify your... Whoever your contact is. Your emergency contacts. Now you have to be careful because I rode to a Bryan Park race once. And you stopped. And I stopped and left my bag because I just had one of the like shoulder like bag like mm-hmm. just one yeah, strap yeah, yeah. and just mm-hmm. um and i'd left my bag with wendy at registration mm-hmm. and i started doing the race mm-hmm. and i left my bag there and she wondered why it was like pinging but she didn't know what it was and she didn't want to go in my bag yeah but it was notifying all my emergency contacts and you could send up to five people that i had not moved for five minutes but they started calling gare mm-hmm. and she looked me up on find my iphone and saw that i was at the race so she knew i was there okay and she deduced that i had probably just left my phone at registration and not turned it off so i gave a couple people some mild heart attacks that day you know it is good to have those services um i've also uh i've been yeah because i have um garmin also has one mm-hmm. um live track the, well, yeah the live tracking um which doesn't have to be used for emergency services. Like you can just watch someone else do their race live, um, kind of watch the stats. Um, I got an accident with oh, Jesus Christ, um, John, John Beckenstein, mm-hmm. Simon Moon, Moon, Simon Moon, and Lucille Marie. I think it's her last name. Good friend Lucille. Anyway, we were on the bridge, which they've since repaired. Um, there's a bridge on the Capitol Trail. That is approaching like pretty close to Jamestown. Mm-hmm. If you've been out there, there's a bridge, and the bridge is pretty like low over the water. It's like a marshland mm-hmm. kind of area, and it's like a mile out. Either way, we got an accident where we tried to cross the bridge. The bridge was a little wet. It's so low and like watery. It's like it was slimy. 
John was in the front. He slowed down. And when he slowed down, he just went straight to the left. He just fell over. Um, Simon was closely behind him and he slowed down. He also could not stand up, you know, like, and so he fell over. Then Lucille was behind and we all fell over. We were all like within a foot of each other. But um, both John and Lucille have the live tracking feature on with their, their, their John's wife and Lucille's son and daughter both got a notification that she had had an accident kind of thing well she'd had oh so it yeah it'll, it, it, it'll it detect an incident correct okay. yeah it detected an incident in that case so um so the features are great but yes it does mean that there's going to be the occasion where like there's a false alarm and someone gets a heart attack um because they're like no did someone get injured right better they go off better they go off when you weren't expecting them to or didn't want them to then they don't go off when you do well, have an accident. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you know about Denise Garandi. I think that's how you say her name. She her uh, name. is the runner that was hit up in Hanover a few years ago. Okay. And a cyclist found her, but it was a hit and run driver. And she was out for a run and was wearing a bright yeah. orange vest. And her husband is uh, Ben Tatarico, who is a former Richmond police officer, but he, okay. he left after this happened. Yeah. Um, Partially, I guess, because of her uh, health problems now. Okay. But um, she was left there in that field for over an hour. Really? And yeah. she had a severe, serious brain injury. And her shoulder, the guy hit her so hard. So you've got, I think it's four nerves that come off the spinal cord into the shoulder, the okay. brachial plexus area. And it ripped all but one of those nerves out of the spinal cord. So her right arm is paralyzed, and she oftentimes has it in a sling, sling okay. and it's atrophied. And yeah. she's still like uh, Ben. I think he has a degree in exercise science of some kind. Mm-hmm. So he has transitioned to doing like um, personal training, I think. Um, and he's been helping her. And he's been doing stuff like blood flow restriction training, okay. which you don't have to use as much weight. Okay, and it it there's you can do a deep dive on all that okay. on your own, but it's uh, blood flow restriction training. So um, I follow them on Instagram and he's posting okay. videos of her doing exercises and stuff, okay. but she, she can move that arm, but it's not um, a fully functional okay. arm anymore. Okay. Um, but the point to that is that she, and he, he knew like that something was wrong because she didn't come back from her run yeah. when he expected her to. So he went out, he was, I think he was getting his, his boys ready. Mm-hmm. Um, to, they were small kids yeah. uh, to go drive around and look for because he hadn't seen her. She hadn't come home, and she was not answering the phone. Yeah. And he was starting to get worried. And I think as he was pulling out of the driveway, Hanover County pulled into his driveway, and he just said, where is she? Oh, that sucks. We're going to um, scare everybody away from riding and running on the road after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know... That's the, that's the reality we, we face. And, 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 you know, um, uh, clearly you've been in some horrific accidents, right? Racing and just normal riding. Um, and I, I've met people who don't ride that often who've mentioned fears about riding, right? Um, because, um, like they'll hear a news story about like the accident you had, right? So-and-so this a cyclist was, you know, got hit by a car or something like that. Um, and I, I have to, I feel I have to remind people like, well, you didn't hear the story about the other hundred thousand people who went out and ride, and did not get injured at all. Like, yes, an accident is terrible, 
but like it doesn't mean it's like everyone's going to get hit kind of thing right it's a, it's a shitty thing that happens um but it doesn't mean that every, every you know every person who goes out and ride is going to get hit um you know you want to do things to prevent it um bright clothing wear a helmet um you know not be squirrely while riding um don't run through the things you shouldn't be doing you know um but anyway, yeah, I feel I have to, to mention that to people who are talking about, you know, they want to ride, but they have concerns, which are legit, but just like to scale it a little bit. Yeah. Not everyone's getting hit. I try to focus on um, all, this is my like logical brain thinking sure. through things. I try to focus on all the, the tens of thousands of miles I've ridden since the accident crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of the tens of thousands of miles I rode before. Mm-hmm. I've only been hit once. Mm-hmm. And now once was enough. I don't want to ever get hit again. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? I don't even, I have no clue because I don't have everything on Strava. Yeah. But I have no clue how many miles I've ridden in my life. I have no clue how many rides I've been on. Yeah. It's in the thousands. Yeah. And it was just one ride. Mm-hmm. And if I had just left the house five minutes later or five minutes earlier mm-hmm. or taking a different route yeah. or just skipped that one ride yeah. that one day. Right. Things would be completely different. Things would be different. Um, Hopefully I would not still be going out in all black kit like I used to do. Um, and I still see people ride on roads that I ride on regularly and right. uh, they're wearing all black and I saw a guy I forget where I saw it was, I think it was um, the heart of Virginia Century he was parked near me mm-hmm. as I was getting dressed and he was wearing he had a black bike black everything it was all murdered out black mm-hmm. black helmet mm-hmm. black jersey black shorts black gloves black socks black yeah. shoes mm-hmm he had a Garmin Varia radar. Yeah. But everything was black. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that might look cool, but you're yeah. basically invisible. Yeah. Um, and we don't all think about, I need to be visible. I need to be visible. Uh, I should be visible out on the road. Like, I want to prevent, I want to give everyone the chance to see me, you know, that, that needs to see me kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you wear the kit that seems cool to you, right? To you, thing. but all the motors think we're dorks anyway, so. <laughs> That's true, but I'm not trying to impress other motors, <laughs> right. you know? I'm trying to impress the other cyclists. Um, at least, I, yeah, trying is the word. Um, so you're right, yeah. It, which I hope there's more cooler, colorful kits. I will say, I have, um... Cause I would wear all black. Um, I started really enjoying my, um, you've seen me wear this thing, but it's like all, it's basically all black, but I have one sleeve. Mm-hmm. One sleeve is, is white. Mm-hmm. And then I went all in, so, you know, I'm going to make the whole sleeve white. So I have like, I have one arm sleeve that, mm-hmm. that was white on the thing. But then I did think more about like, you know what? I'm a, I'm less concerned about how good I look on the bike. Not saying I don't look great on the bike. But I was less concerned about, like, how does my kit kind of look kind of thing. So I, I now have a yellow jersey, a high-vis yellow jersey, um, which I wear more because it's comfortable, but it's a double-down because it's high-vis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's full long sleeve from Pearl Azumi. 
mm-hmm. um, a white helmet, um, you know, wear the wear the radar, you know, wear the radar, have the radar on the bike kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I do think about being visible more. So now my winter jacket is also a nice yellow high vis jacket kind of thing. Um, but I, you know, what is the thing that has to happen for us to think about that? Like, I need to make sure that like I'm safe out on this ride. Like I'm doing all the things I can. Cause as you know, like you could do all the things you can and still get fucking hit. Somebody can't see. So, um, so, uh, yeah, the conversation has been serious, <laughs> which is fine. A little deep. Right. It's, it's, it's fine. You know, that's, that is, that, that, that's, that's how it played out. You know, some things have happened. Um, you've gotten on a ride. Um, you know, you still, you still think about things when you go ride. Um, and that's, that's fine. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, who taught you how to ride a bike? I guess my dad. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> probably learned a little bit later than some kids. Okay. Um, definitely later than my own kids. Uh, probably 10-ish, I guess. I remember um, we had a hill. So I lived in a ho- one house until I was 10. Mm-hmm. And then I lived in another house mm-hmm. until I went to college at mm-hmm. 19. Um, so, but the first house had a, uh, tons of um, yard land. I don't, I guess it was probably five acres, maybe. Mm-hmm. So when we had this big sloping downhill from the house, because the house sat at the top of a hill. Yeah. And I remember riding down that thing and my dad like pushing me d- down the hill, but I also uh, ate it one time and mm-hmm. the bike flipped and landed on my head and I was not wearing a helmet because it was 1987-ish, 1986. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, went and got stitches. And the funny thing is the the doctor that put the stitches in my head was the father of my friend, Nathan, who went mountain biking with me, who I had I mean, not met at this at point. Time, yeah. And I remember him telling me, you know, he realized what my name was and he mm-hmm. said, Oh, I have a son named Nathan too. Yeah. And that was, sure, that yeah. was my first like knowledge of this guy yeah. existing. Yeah. Um, and we had, we went to college together and we oh, were nice. like good friends and, still stay in touch and um he doesn't ride anymore but okay it's um it's uh that's probably my earliest memory of riding a bike and i do remember when we moved into the second house it was next door to a bank yeah and when the bank would close we would go next door and ride through the Mm drive-through and do laps around the bank because it was nobody, there was no yeah. traffic and we'd yeah. just take our bikes next door and we'd mm-hmm. ride laps around the, um, the bank. Yeah. And so that was, that was cool. Uh, also the tour de Pont or maybe it was the tour to Trump came through Madison in the late eighties. Oh I think it was the tour to Trump. And I remember coming out of my middle school and going sitting on the hill and watching them go by and they were gone in a couple seconds Mm -hmm. like we sat out there for 30 40 minutes waiting for them and then they were gone and but it was really cool Mm -hmm. because i think we did it two years in a row yeah and they came right through madison right through town and um that was probably 88 89 and it was um 
uh, the Tour de Trump, um, uh, which then changed the Tour de Pont. Thank God. Um, just, <laughs> you know, um, different, different, <laughs> different, different time frame, you know, different perspective, but just, yeah, you know, either way, let's not get too deep into that. Um, uh, so the early was bike rides, um, your kids ride. Yes. Okay. How do you feel about them riding? Not, in general? not real keen on them riding on the road, but okay. they do the Henrico Nika team. Okay. So they, they have not raced because Emily doesn't really want to race. She's my oldest. She'll be 12 next uh, month. The, 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 the Henrico Nika, that's a mountain biking? Yes. Offering? Okay. And Isabel is nine. She'll be 10 in October. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really loves riding. Okay. And she's not, I wouldn't say she's a superstar on the team or anything, mm-hmm. but she's probably the one of the youngest, if not the youngest on the team. Cause she's, okay. she's doing well. normally they don't allow um, kids her age to come out, but because she's been coming out for a couple of years, mm-hmm. Because I'm a coach, yeah. Um, they, and she, and she can keep up with okay. the the youngest group, yeah. So and she's she can hold her own. I mean, mm-hmm. she's not slow. I mean, yeah. she's probably better than most nine year olds on a bike. But um, no offense to any listeners whose kids ride, but um, I'm not saying that she's again she's not a superstar, but. Most kids well, ride yeah. like around their yard. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they hang up their bike when they get a driver's license and never yeah. touch it again. Yeah, if not before. So yeah, they ride. Um, okay. So they like it. Okay. Um, Gear rides. Yes. Which happened first? Was she riding before you met her, or riding after? She started riding after. After me. After okay. we started dating okay so she's, I'm, always, I'm always interested in like how the couple and cycling thing pans out now did did she did she bring up like like the join your riding or were you like you know i don't remember because uh, i think like her mutual, mutual her road time. bike is a le Monde, okay and it's a steel road bike okay and it's probably close to 20 years old okay she bought it I bought it for her um, before we got married, I think. Mm-hmm. And she didn't. She has ridden it outside on the road, mm-hmm. but she won't ride by herself anymore because she had a bad experience in Hanover one day okay. with some guys in a pickup truck, offering to give her a lift and telling her to get in the truck, and they wouldn't leave her alone, and they followed her for a ways, and she was by herself. And I don't know if she had a phone on her then because this is like the early 2000s. So she has, I mean, she would go for a group ride, but she will never ride by herself again. And I can't say that I blame her. Um, Yeah, that's upsetting. But she's gotten into Zwift and she likes doing that. And she's Mm -hmm. done some of your rides and uh, she's done some of the races with you all. And we just got her a new mountain bike. Okay. And I ordered it in June of last year and it came around Thanksgiving. So it's nothing crazy, but it's a right. hardtail and it's fits her and mm-hmm. we have it. Okay. <laughs> Supply chain issues. Yeah. Yeah. Aside, but, um, 
we've gone for a couple rot three rides. Okay. With and we've taken the kids with us. Okay. And I think I've seen some of these. Yeah. Yeah, and she she'll ride with the older two, and that is uh, they give her a run for her money. Really? Okay. So nice. And usually I'll hang with Alex because she's only five and she's still like yeah, just five. Learning, learning. I was a mountain biking at five. <laughs> so Dave got a head start on you. Yeah. Um, just and by, Isabel just was by riding me. a bike at three without training wheels. Really? Wow. Yeah, they've got a head start on you, man. They've got a head start. Uh, and you're a coach. Um, how long have you been a coach? I started in 2014, I think. Yes. What was it? Th- Go ahead. I just took, I, I don't remember what the imp- impetus for was for that yeah, i just decided yeah. like i wanted to do it yeah um i have always i've always had this uncanny ability to m- remember even though my memory's terrible mm-hmm. remember anatomy and physiology and like okay you know an example was my mom has uh, a bad rotator cuff and okay. they're talking about how she's going to have to have complete shoulder replacement okay in a, at least a year or so okay she's going to try and put it off till she retires but i was texting her about it and i just rattled off the four rotator cuff muscles mm-hmm. off the top of my head without looking them up and the supraspinatus infraspinatus subscapularis and teres minor it just these that it's for whatever reason these things stick. And if there's if we're watching Jeopardy and they have a question, like a category on anatomy, yeah, I'll get every single one of them right. So I guess I missed my calling. Should have been, I, yeah, that's what should I was have been a doctor or something. Um, and that's a conversation we have later, but I think there's a way to use that somehow. I don't know where exactly, uh, but I feel some energy should be used in figuring out like how can that skill be used? Because that's a skill. That's a, that's a thing. That's a thing you are you're interested in um, and you retain that information without having a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, you know, if you can make a living off that, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, Either way or use that in some other way. Maybe in a a past life, I was a (laughs) (laughs) professor of anatomy. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? Um, um, Favorite kit. You can get two answers if, if so. Just, you can get two answers if you. Yeah. Uh, I usually only wear two. Um, I wear either my Peaks Coaching Group kit, mm-hmm. which is by Pactimo. I think I said that right. That's the one that's like high vis and blue. Y- yeah, high vis yeah. green and blue. There's okay. a white and blue, but I always wear the green and blue because okay. it's a little more visible. It is. Um, visible. Yeah. And I've got several pieces. I've got short sleeve jersey. Long sleeve jerseys, jackets, vests, mm-hmm. um, knee warmers. You know, I've got the whole kit. Okay. And then if I don't wear that, I will wear um, my full spectrum racing. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Team kit. And usually I'll wear that if I go for a team ride. So if, like today I rode by myself. I wore the Peaks Coaching Group okay. kit. Uh, if I rode with my teammates mm-hmm. and did a full spectrum team ride i would yeah. wear the full spectrum kit is one more comfortable than the other um uh, they're, they're comparable i mean i don't think any of them are like 
pajamas, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I did have an issue with my full spectrum skin suit racing cross this past year. I've never had this problem before. Okay, but where the stitching, and I've worn the same skin suit in dozens of races and never had this issue. But yeah, several races this year, it like rubbed the inside of my leg raw where the the stitching in the Mm-hmm. On the chamois pad is oh mm. and okay. i mean some some pads don't really have like it's it's really it's not yeah. not yeah, like it's the, the stitching's not it's not visible. Raised. yeah and and i don't know what that is all about so i don't it was very it was unpleasant enough that it made me slow down in a race because oh, yeah, and i kept right. pulling and tugging on my my yeah. le- pant yeah. leg trying yeah, to like it, adjust it, it. Yeah. and when you're in a cyclocross race that's not really uh Bit, like you can't really do it because you i mean i felt like stopping yeah it was so bothersome oh okay right you don't have time because you're you're it's a more involved race right um okay um uh i was wearing the rabbit kit um and loved it loved the rabbit kit the the white and black one I don't know if who, who makes that Star, Starlight, Starlight, that's, Starlight that's was who, who was making that's who that makes kit. our full spectrum kit. Um, was wearing the kit and, and loved it for the outdoors. I wear the kit, um, arm sleeves, um, shorts, not bibs, and um, um, leg sleeves, leg sleeves, leg sleeves um, is what I wear to them, fully covered. Um, great kit, riding it outdoors, awesome. Then I started riding Zwift, riding Zwift more often. And then I can say this because it's whatever. Um, they're stitching in the front, mm-hmm. right? It's stitching like right down the middle, down the crotch area, right? And it's a bit raised. And so for whatever reason, when I was riding on Zwift, particularly on the longer rides, like if it was like 20 miles or more, which most people don't try to do, got a little rub. Got a little little rub in the area. You don't want to have a rub. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that's... that that's weird like it's not when i'm riding outdoors but like the zwift which i think i just like was in a stationary position and um and thankfully the the upside of that though is that i was like, okay this is bothersome like this is this clearly caused me an issue when i ride indoors um the upside of that though is that i started looking around for new new shorts to wear and got a um found gore actually i ended up first looking at like some some indoor specific kits from competitive, not competitive cyclists, uh, Castelli and Wahoo. I even had the, the I think Wahoo, I think I even got one of the like Wahoo as a kid or something. Mm-hmm. Either way, ended up selling on Gore and they had a really good wood set that like the stitching's in just the right place. But anyway, I wear Gore bibs now. Gore wear bibs and they they do a fantastic job. So I thought I'd ask about the comfort level of kits and you know if there's one that seemed more so than the other because comfort is important as you knew when you're mm-hmm. cycle I do have a fair amount of Pearl Zumi stuff too which I will wear and that um, that I like that it's mm-hmm. it maybe is marginally more comfortable than the others okay okay but they're just black shorts so there's no color scheme on them and I try to yeah at least match my teammates or mm-hmm. have match my coaching kit or and, and the pack team stuff's not bad like i've never yeah. had any issues with it yeah um sometimes i feel like i'm in between sizes like i should 
small might be a little bit too small. Yeah. Um, medium's a little bit too big. Too much. Okay. I need a medium, I guess. <laughs> God, I haven't heard medium in a long time. Um, <laughs> um, um, most challenging ride. Hmm. And if you have more, if you have two that are comparable, like you, you can you can get more. Um, that I've ever done, or like regularly do, or that's a good question. Um, that you've ever done. <laughs> Probably the wintergreen ascent. Okay, this is this is the time trial. The time trial. Okay. Yeah. Um, I did it once. Okay. And I always. Wintergreen's got some climbing, right? It's just yeah, it's climbing. up to the top of the mountain, the ski resort. Okay. So they you, they haven't done it in the last couple of years, probably because of COVID. Yeah. Although I feel like you could do time trials pretty safely, especially now. Um, so it's at the starts at the bottom near Devil's Backbone, I think, Heard brewing. It mm-hmm. And it goes all the way to the top and... It is a, it's like six, some six plus miles. Some of the places are 20 plus percent. Okay. Not, not like sustained, but some of the sections are like 20%. Um, it's 3000 feet of climbing in six miles. I think. Anyway, I did it once. I used to be before my crash and back injuries. I used to be a fairly proficient climber. So I always mm-hmm. wanted to do the wintergreen climb because I thought I could do well. Well, I didn't do so well. I did it in under an hour, okay. <laughs> which is not great. But the whole ride, I was dealing with back pain and knee pain. And it's hard to lay down the watts when your knee's hurting and your back's hurting. That would be problematic. So um, I finished it. Yeah, I would like to like another crack at it because I think I could do better. Okay. Because that was in 2015, I believe. Um, so that was probably the, even though it was only six miles. Okay. And but it was a, it was like I was going hard. Yeah. The whole time trying to do it as quick as possible. And and an hour is not impressive for me. I mean, it's. I guess anybody that makes it to the top of that thing should be. You can, you, you can, yes, you can, how to put this, you can feel bad that you didn't do that, you didn't put in the effort that you did, but hopefully still feel good that you completed it. Right. Yeah. I didn't have to walk. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, you got it done, you know, not how you were expecting to, but you got it done and you can go back. If they ever have it again. If they have it again. Yes. You, hopefully they will. They, it's been did a they state. close the roads for that? No, that's one of the sketchy things about it. So you're <laughs> dealing with cars all the way up, and they don't want you to ride down. You have to take a shuttle down. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that because yeah, the bombing the people, the bombing downhill. I actually, yeah. Anyway, yeah, bombing downhill can be sketchy, particularly that kind of. But I mean, I've been riding long enough. I'm like, I kind of like. No, oh, I don't tell me what I can and cannot do. I almost feel like <laughs> I'm just gonna hang out up here at the top till everybody goes home, and then I'm gonna ride my bike to the bottom. <laughs> I earned it. <laughs> Riding down this, this hill. Um, I feel that way only when I've gone up, like, it's clearly not the same. Alpha's lift. Mm-hmm. If I've gone up, like, I'm, I'm getting the miles to go back down. Um, 
either way. Um, it's your kit. Um, do you go grocery shopping in your kit? No. I I mean, I don't mean like you get, like, no. <laughs> I'm not phrasing that the right way. Um, do you like, oh, I got to run an errand, go no. in the store with the kit on. You'd like immediately go home with it. No. Okay. Because normally, like if I go um, somewhere where I'm going to, like say I drove somewhere to ride. Yep. I would take um, a sweatshirt or sweatpants or you take, you take I would change, change. plus change. I want to change out of my shorts as soon as possible to prevent saddle sores and whatnot um, so people really shouldn't be hanging out in their shorts after a ride for any amount of time yeah take a towel with you wrap it around your waist drop your shorts put on some yeah change out of them yep okay Boring. so but you know I've gone in coffee shops before I've gone into Montana gold. <laughs> yeah. 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 After yawn at dawn. And then I, and usually when I do yawn at dawn, I ride to the ride and then I ride home. So yeah, that seems, that seems, yeah, it's fine with the yawn at dawn, which will start. I think the first week of April is when we start up again. So. Yeah. I won't be able to do it until school lets out. Right. Right. Busy schedule. Right. Busy schedule. I think you had what a couple Fridays off at the time. Any times you've been able to be going? Uh, yeah, I have. Well, um, I'm off every Friday in the summer. So. Okay. Right. And the kids school, don't yeah. have to go to school. Right. Okay. Um, well, there's been some serious stuff talked about, um, you know, um, but, uh, I, I imagine that people will enjoy, um, they will gain something I would say from, from you telling the story of you being in an accident, um, and your history of cycling um, and continue to ride. I expect you will continue to ride. Um, what's something you would tell a new rider? You meet someone, they're like, I'm thinking about getting into riding. Like, what's something that you'd want to share with a new person before I try to wrap this all kind of thing? Um, be patient. The gains will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we want to bite off more than we can chew. And I, and you know, it's funny you ask that because I occasionally will get uh, a client through Peaks Coaching Group mm-hmm. that's new. I've got a guy that I just, um, he just signed up this week mm-hmm. and he's only been riding since August. Oh, he's new, new. Yeah. He's, yeah. Um, and he wants to do a 108 mile, 110 mile ride on April 23rd. But I think he's starting to feel like the time crunch and he's not getting as fast as he would like as mm-hmm. soon, soon yeah. as he would like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's hired um, me to coach him. And, it, you know, the, the thing um, I will say while I have this platform is because a lot of, there's a big fallacy in coaching mm-hmm. in cycling and running yeah. and probably triathlon that your coach needs to be fast to Mm. be a good coach Mm. okay i've had people tell me that they wouldn't take advice from me until i could beat them in a race and they were somewhat snarky and this was before i was a coach but you know i still retained a lot of the knowledge and i was reading joe freel's books and it was before i'd had any concussions yeah so when i tried to give a friend advice once about tapering and periodization and this was probably 2007 yeah 
2006. Uh, he, he somewhat snarkily said, well, when you beat me in a race, I'll take advice from you. And mm, I've heard right. other people say, not to me, but through the grapevine, that they would never hire a coach unless the coach was a higher racing category than them. But if you think about it, do you think Bill Belichick can throw a football farther and harder than Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. Do you think he ever could? Nope. Do you think that Chris Carmichael could could have beaten Lance Armstrong up Alpe d'Huez in mm-hmm. the early 2000s? Mm-hmm. Doping aside. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah. it it's like, why do you think your cycling coach needs to be fast? Yeah. Michael Jordan's never coached basketball. Mm-hmm. So the point to this is that a lot of times when you have someone who's gifted mm-hmm. and talented and is a really fast cyclist, it's hard for them to relate to someone who is new to cycling and can't take both hands off the handlebars to mm-hmm. take a water bottle out of yeah. the water bottle cage. They have to stop, put both feet on the ground, take the water bottle out and take a sip. Cause I've coached yeah. people like that. And you have to be able to relate to that. Even though, you know, I can't, I can't imagine not being able to do it, but I, but I can, empathize with somebody who right, is that new there, yeah. to it that they mm-hmm. don't feel that stable. I mean, I can ride a bike. I could probably ride here to Ashland if I didn't have to stop and use the brakes. Yeah. I could probably ride to Ashland mm-hmm. without touching handlebars and back. Nice. So it's, it's not, I, I mean, it's helpful for like taking a vest off or right, grabbing right. food out of your pocket or drinking mm-hmm. water or like cleaning your glasses off if they get a bug on them or whatever. So, um, Without rambling too much, yeah, all right. it's it's. Uh, I think you need to be able to like relate to someone who's not, that someone has not been riding for as long as I have, right? Since the early '90s, and be able to break it down into terms they can understand, mm-hmm. and not make it too sciency and too over their head. Because uh, I gotta, I talk to my clients every week, yeah, and. Um, depends on the, the person and sure. depends on what coaching package they're paying for. Yeah. Sometimes it's once a month. Sometimes it's twice a month. Sometimes it's every week. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of, and the, the great thing is I learned from them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm coaching this guy who's in his seventies in Kentucky. And every time I talk to him, I learn something new because he's been riding for a long time Yeah. also. So that's a really cool aspect to coaching. Um, he's told me things that I didn't know. <laughs> Well, 70, I would expect that, you know, he's got some experience. You yeah. Know? Um, I think we all have to think about, like, being able to relate to people. Not all of us are at the same spot with our, our cycling experience kind of thing. Uh, particularly with coaching, I would I would hope that someone would have that skill to be able to scale the knowledge. Okay, this person's super new. Or this person has a huge breadth of history kind of thing. And scale that, that information about, like, how they should train or just their experience riding. Um to, to fit into how they can understand it and it can be fruitful for them. Fruitful for them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everyone has that skill of scaling. Not everyone has that skill to say, these people don't have the same experience as I do. They don't have the same breadth of knowledge that I do. And so they hit them with the, the, the full water hose of information without saying, they just need a trickle right now. So uh, I'm glad you're doing that, you know. Um well, Nate, um, Vincent, 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever used that as my, <laughs> unless my mom used it as the full, really, you know, Nathan Vincent Ayers. <laughs> You're in trouble now. Um, um, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, uh, I appreciate you uh, coming and sharing your time, um, sure. your, your story, all the things, um, you know, may have you come back to talk about some other stuff. Who knows? Um, but uh, I appreciate you setting the, the time aside to come talk, man. I know you're a busy man. So, Very. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. Mm-hmm.